Hello, welcome to another episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Waima. Today I'm with Terry Liang, who is a software developer based out of San Francisco, California, who is the creator of the state management solution called Creator. Welcome, Terry. How are you? Hi, thank you, Alan. Thanks for inviting me here. Uh, hello, everyone. So my name is Terry Liang. I'm glad to be here to talk about Creator. Um, yeah, maybe let me introduce myself a little bit. Yes, please go ahead. Cool. I currently live in San Francisco area in United States. Uh, currently, I'm working on my own startup. It's called Truly. It's a personal finance app for the middle class, helping them to manage their assets and the investment performance. Uh, it's building with Flutter, so you can talk about that if you want. Um, before doing the startup, I'm uh, mostly doing backend stuff. I'm a backend engineer in Lyft for a few years. If you haven't heard about Lyft, it's a ride-sharing company, uh, mostly for North America. Before that, I worked for Dudo for a few years. Um, yeah, that's pretty much about myself. Were you doing Flutter at Google or were you doing something else? No, not Flutter. It's, I worked for YouTube. That's building YouTube's backend infrastructure. At, at the... At the at the time I was in Google, I think Flutter is not even a popular thing. At that time in Google, mostly doing Python and C++. Now, how do you compare Dart with Python C++ then? Which one do you enjoy more? Um, it's a hard question. I don't think they are actually comparable um, because Python, C++, my experience is mostly on the backend, trying to build up, build, up, build up the APIs, the storage, those kind of things. Dart, I think the major use case is Flutter, right? It's mostly for the front end, it's a UI toolkit. So there's not a lot of things to compare, but I do enjoy using Dart. I think the language designed pretty well, um, very clean and very easy to, to understand. I think Google AdSense backend is all built in Dart though, if I remember correctly. I know they say they just built everything up in Google AdSense with Dart. Really? I don't think so, but uh, I don't, I'm not so sure. I mean, you could write backend in Dart now. I see people doing it more and more now these days. Uh, yeah, I see. But probably not in Google address, even though I have been, not, not been there for a while. Okay. Uh, yeah, but you left Google to work over at Lyft. Why is that? Because you want to just try something different? Yeah, mostly try something different. I want to work for some smaller companies. I joined Lyft before its IPO. Uh, so it's a fun experience to see how the company grows. Because my kind of Hope is eventually doing my own stuff. So I'm trying to learn how to work on the middle-sized company and then eventually go into a small companies. Yeah. Now, did you actually learn anything from how to make a startup from Lyft or no? I think so. First of all, I learned a bunch of technologies outside the Google because, you know, Google is a very large ecosystem itself. All the internal tools is different from the industry standard. Uh, so, for example, Google use AWS, use storage like a big table spanner. Those things are not open source. Um, so in Lyft, I did learn a bunch of technologies outside of Google. Uh, also, I learned a lot, lot of things about how to build a product, how to do the, how to engage with user, how to uh, understand the user's like, behavior, how to try to do doing experiments, those kind of things very interesting. Now at Lyft, is that where you started to pick up Flutter too or no? Not exactly. Flutter is all kind of my my personal interest. So I have been using Flutter for a while. 
after a few years, but mostly for some smaller personal projects. For example, I built an app, a messaging app between me and my wife. It's basically a kind of couple app with some messaging feature and several features that are to share the to do or track the anniversaries, those kind of things. Uh, those are kind of personal projects, but the uh, truly is the kind of major big thing I build with Flutter by myself. Now, what made you decide to leave Lyft to start working on Truly? Um, mostly because I see that problem and I'm very interested. The problem I'm trying to solve is uh, I want to track my financing a little bit better way. I used to do that in a spreadsheet. So I have to pull in all my banks and all my brokerage accounts, put them into a spreadsheet, trying to understand how my spending looks like, how my performance looks like. Especially if I have a house, does that house perform better than the stock market? Those are the kind of things I feel there should be a tool which can help people to answer those questions. And, and I see there is a gap. I see, for example, there's a bunch of budgeting tools, which for like lower income people. And there's a bunch of um, personal bank bankers, which is working for the very high income people. But for the middle class, there's not a tool which can solve their problems. Their problems are kind of, uh, kind of not, not, not very unique. They have some certain common attributes. For example, people want to know, do I spend too much on my grocery last year? Or uh, people want to know, should I spend, how is my, uh, should I do the, make a, do, do a re refinance for my house? Should I spend more money on the, real estate versus stock market. Those questions can be answered somehow using technology with some simulations or scenario analysis. Those kind of, uh, so that's my bring my interest and start doing things myself. Now, are you self-funding or did you get some kind of capital from outside investors? Currently, I'm still self-funding. Uh, yeah, launched the app a few months ago. Have some user, but the user growth is not as good as I thought. Uh, it's pretty, yeah. Uh, well, okay, so how many people are actually in the company right now? Is it just yourself or is there some others? Um, the full-time employee is just myself, but I have a bunch of friends helping and contractors as well. Okay. Um, so what are the other people who are helping you with? What are they doing? Are they doing the back end or are they helping out with Flutter? Uh, one people is helping with back end. And I have people helping on the marketing and user acquisition side. Okay. Uh, now for the back end, are you, I'm guessing you're not using Dart then. What are you you're using Python or something like that? My back end is actually not, not complex. It's mostly fly, uh, Firebase. So, so you're familiar with Firebase, right? So basically it's, uh, client talks to Firebase directly, getting a bunch of data. So there are a bunch of logic on the client side. On the server side, it's mostly Node.js. Uh, using the Firebase functions, or you can talk Google Cloud functions. So it's a serverless architecture, a bunch of functions which serve as a backend. How do you actually test those? Because I haven't found a good way to test uh, cloud functions. So the way to test it is trying, first of all, you can try it locally. You can run the Firebase simulator locally if you want to do the end-to-end -end test. But mostly if you want to run unit tests, the way to do it is trying to split the logic into some logic layer in the Node.js, trying to test those logic, but not testing the uh, function surface. If that makes sense to you. Uh, yeah, that's how, how we do things right now. 
Yeah, because I mean, I'm mostly used to writing like unit tests and things like that, like an automated test suite, but I don't think there's some kind of way to do that with cloud functions. Not a cloud function, but you can do things from normal Node.js stuff, right? Uh, I mean, in TypeScript, it's basically Node.js, TypeScript libraries, you can test those things. Okay, but okay, so are you, you, you're using a Node.js backend? You're not using cloud functions? It is in cloud functions, but cloud function is just API layer, right? It can call into the libraries you write, which is a bunch of TypeScript written libraries doing some logic layers. So as my API layer is pretty thin, which means you don't need to test too much on the fun cloud function layer, but testing the real business logic under the hood. Okay. I think I understand what you're saying now. Okay. That, that makes sense. Okay. So... Yeah, that, that's always the tricky part. But if you, yeah, like you said, keep it thin, shouldn't be too bad. Mm -hmm. Now, did you ever use Firebase before while you were at Google, or this is like all new to you? This is all new to me. Um, now, why'd you go Firebase route? Did you you feel comfortable with Firebase, or you just wanted something that was kind of integrated with Flutter already? I, I think I like Firebase. I, it's the storage model is pretty nice. I can have some relationship, and I was doing some queries there. I think I like that part. Um, and the another benefit is you don't manage your own backend. You don't need to run your server. That's a plus. So you don't need to to uncall right for yourself. Yeah, but now the negative is don't forget whenever you don't manage something, that means you're at the mercy of the people who do manage it. So there. That's true. Yeah, you don't miss the management. That just means somebody else has to take care of it. But I think Firebase is quite smooth, right? Yeah, that's true. But I think. For for my team, it's small, right? So I would rather like, ask the Google's people who probably have like, dozens of people to manage it rather than myself. Have you ever had to reach out to support to Firebase before or no? Not, no, I don't have that need yet. I had to deal with support from Google before and I wasn't very happy. Um, mm. They launched uh, Google Cloud GCP in Hong Kong and uh, I tried to launch a Kubernetes uh, instance. And their reply was, yes, we know it's broken. Uh, and I said, okay, do you know what's going to be fixed? We don't know. Okay. So what can I do? And they said, oh, just keep trying. And if it works, then we fixed it. If it didn't work, then we still working on it. Oh my God. I think yeah, Google's support is not good. I agree. <laughs> that, that's why I get a little bit worried about this kind of stuff. Mm. Okay. So, uh, can we kind of roll back to like, I'm kind of curious about I mean, you worked at Lyft, right? I think Lyft is doing everything native, right? Uh, yes. Well, first of all, wait, you're working at backend at Lyft, right? So you didn't do anything with mobile apps. Non-mobile, non yeah. But I do have a little bit of mobile experience. I, in the, like, a few years ago, I did uh, some iOS development and Android development as a personal projects as well. So I know the mobile stuff, yeah. Okay, so you did it already, so then you're like, well, let's not do that again, or were you just saying, I don't have time, or... What was the thought process that you looked at Flutter? I think that's both reasons. First of all, I don't have time. I don't have resource to do two native apps. Uh, that's probably the major reason people use Flutter in most cases, I guess. But another reason is I do like Flutter's language. I think it's it's very clean uh, UI toolkit. So you write everything in code rather than in, for example, in the old time, you in you are doing Android, you will write a bunch of code, a bunch of XML, and trying to link them together. That's a like, very painful experience on my, from my side. I think it's 
having everything clearly defined in the Dart language is the good thing to to do. So as a developer, I can try to everything precisely. I know what's going on on my UI. Now, how did you feel like, I mean, if you've already done Android and iOS, I think doing Flutter is really quite different because you have this whole entire idea of composition, which I think is not, at least uh, there was no Jetpack Compose when I started learning. There was no SwiftUI, I think, yet. So it was all totally new to me. It's very different, I think, right? Like, did you feel very weird? I think there is a little bit of learning curve. Uh, you need to understand the declarative language, but then I don't feel super weird to be honest. I think it's pretty natural to me, uh, especially if you go a little deeper to understand how they build things internally. There's a widget tree, there's an element tree, there's a uh, rendering object tree. So if you understand the relationship and how the people, how factory internally trying to use widget tree to build those element tree, then it should be really natural, I guess. Yeah, but I don't know if everybody actually digs into that. Like, I dug in a little bit, but not too much. I'm aware of the trees, but I didn't dig in too much because... Me I, neither, I, but uh, you, you, high level idea is simple, right? You declare something, they're trying to map those things to a tree and trying to render the tree on the in the app, right? So, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think the biggest thing that's definitely a mind shift for me is like, okay, wait, this build function will be called so many times, it just mm -hmm. doesn't really make sense to me how that could be fast. But at the same time, once you understand the different trees and you're like, okay, wait a minute. Yeah, they're called fast, but actually that they're not actually doing anything until there's a difference between the element tree and the render tree and everything else. Yeah, I think you just said the point, right? That's the, that's the point which you should understand, yeah. Exactly. Uh, but when you start doing Flutter, right? I did look at Creator. There's a little bit of a history about how you guys started your, your app, right? You so were you did you start off using block right away or did you play with provider first or how did you get started with your state management? Uh, I kind of use block right away, even though I tried the uh, provider at that time. I think block is quite popular. I think that's probably two or three years ago. Block is um, quite popular at that time as well. So I think for beginners, it's kind of been beginner friendly because it's not only a statement library; it's also kind of promo some design pattern or maybe android project structuring pattern which is put something in the repository layer put something in the logic layer those kind of things is good for beginners so people can pitch things up quickly i do think block is a very nice library i still think it's going to uh it's still a very good library for a lot of use cases the reason i kind of starts looking for something else is uh, when I'm using block, I want, because my app has a bunch of client-side logic, I actually want to build some dependency between the states. Let's say, for example, you have a to-do app, you have a state of all to-do list, you have a filter, you want to have a derived state called a filter to-do, right? The way in block, you're probably going to handle them together, and I actually, if you want to have two block or two bit which can depend on each other, you have to set up a bunch of stream listening and canceling because under the hood, block is using streams. So that's going to be a lot of work if you if you have uh, if you want to build a lot of derived state or you want to do relationship between states. 
That's why I start looking to uh, find some other solutions as the river part. River part is actually uh, a very reactive solution, which can you can easily create a derived state using river part. That's why I switch to river part. Uh, but as I said in the uh, creator readme, I think I do find several issues I don't like about RiverPod. Uh, and uh, then I start trying to make change to it, trying to look into its code base. Then I found its code base is pretty complex. It's much complexer than I, I would expect. So I'm, I spent two days trying to figure out things, how to, how to make larger changes on in, in RiverPod. But I eventually gave up thinking, okay, maybe I should just start from the scratch, trying to um, do something on my own, very similar to RiverPod, but start from the beginning. Then I spent like two days to develop the first version of Creator. I think it's very small and nice and clean. So I start using it in my iPad so they test it. It ends up pretty nice, I think. Can we roll back a little bit to RiverPod, right? You specifically said that you didn't like the async part of RiverPod, right? I think that's what I read. Yeah. So what I want what I want to talk about is that so many people use RiverPod. I haven't heard many complaints about it, so I'm very interested to hear more about this. Maybe other people could be running to the same issues as you. Cool. I think uh, I also talked to RiverPod author Remy. I think he knows all those things, and I think it's probably having a fix are already fixed. But the two issues I saw, first one is the uh, uh, streaming. If you're using a streaming provider, it, the behavior is a little bit not as I would expect. For example, if you have a streaming of loading data one, data two, data three, the real part of streaming provider will give you loading data one, loading data two, loading data three. That's a bit weird to me. I think I have a stream. I already have the data. Why should I? Forced to see a loading state in between those data. I think that's the way how never how how RiverPod works because they many they map each element into a future. And the future when you see a new future, you have to be forced in a loading state then resolved to a little value of state, right? So the way I did design creator is a little bit different, so I don't have to force to see those loading state. To be honest, that's not a big deal, um, but just uh, a little bit weird to me. Uh, the second issue I saw about RiverPod is if you're using async in a uh, future or streaming provider, you might lose state sometimes. But I believe that's probably already fixed. The reason is like this. So, you know, RiverPod is having uh, should we assume everyone is familiar with RiverPod? But basically, uh, it has a build, it has a create function, which is going to create a state. This create function runs several times, especially if any of the dependency changes. So let's say one dependency changes, I'm running this create function. And uh, the way RiverPod does is before running the create function, let's delete all the dependencies run the create function, trying to find out the dependencies inside of those, uh, established inside of the create function, then use those, those dependencies after the creation. Uh, does that make sense? So if you are doing some asynchronous stuff and await for some long pending task inside of the function, 
um, the dependency is already deleted, but not yet established. So you might lose state um, for some edge cases. Yeah. Okay, interesting. The way Riverpod solves this is by defining a global uh, concept called a, a delayed, delayed deletion. Basically, they are trying to hold the old dependencies maybe for five seconds before deleting them. Hopefully, you finish your creation in five seconds. So you can, you don't need to, uh, you, 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 you have a new dependency within five seconds. So you don't need to lose your state. Mm, I think that's a solution, but I, in creator, I think I saw that in a slightly better way. Basically, everything is happening. Um, basically, I locked the, all the dependencies in, in some place before I try to delete them. So everything is very nicely working correctly without using any waiting functions there. Yeah. Okay. So I would like to go a little bit deeper into Creator, right? Uh, I took a little bit of a look at Creator and I think you have kind of a functional way of doing it, right? Kind of, but I would call it more reactive way. Maybe I can, let's step back a little bit. I want to actually not focus on Creator today because that might be a little bit too boring. We can talk about the state management in general. Uh, we can talk about the uh, all the statement all the popular statement leverage state management leverage. So in my mind, there are they can be categorized into how they propagate state. So I believe that's the most important factor because if that defines the capability and limitation of a library, if two libraries sharing the same way to propagate the state, they probably looks a little bit similar. I think there are four ways to propagate the state using widget, using stream, using subscription, and the final one is using graph. So using widget is simple because it's natively in Flutter. If you have heard, have used in, inherited widget, it's basically a way to use widget to propagate state. So inherit widget is Oh, we can, we can share some. I can share some graph if that helps. Yeah. So just make sure you explain the graph as vividly as you can, so everybody can understand at home. Sounds good. So you can see this, right? This is the article I'm writing right now. But this is a graph for uh, inherit widget. Inherit widget is just a widget. It holds some state and exposes state to its subtree. So their subtree can just using some function to get into this inherited widget and get into state. So you have a nice way to hold the state in a tree and access the state from the your descendants. And the provider is another example of using widget tree to property state. It's just the same type sugar around the inherited widget. Uh, it still holds a state in a subtree root. And its descendants can get in, can have access to those states easily. Um, this is a nice way to do things in, in, in Flutter itself. But a lot of people want to develop their business logic in an isolated place without linking to Flutter widgets, right? So people start developing a bunch of other technologies. Using stream is definitely a easiest one because state have, streams can have states States naturally, and the state can be listened to. 
So I think there are two libraries using stream to properly state which is Flutter block and the Flutter redux. Uh, without going to in, into details, it's the concept is quite simple. If you define a stream somewhere, for example, in a global at global variable, and you can define some functions to put data into the stream, then you have a stream builder instead of your Flutter widget. You pretty much have every building blocks here. So I have a example here, but for those people who don't see it, it's fine. Um, the way Flutter block and Flutter Redux works is just wrapping this into a nicer API. So the, if you define a stream in a global variable, which means the stream is always there, it's not good because you, you probably initialize the stream too early and not dispose the stream properly. So they basically wrap the stream inside a class and then using some provider to provide those class to a subtree root, then everything works. Okay, this is a graph for this. Basically, the state is still held in the subtree root, uh, but now it's a, but now it's inside the specialized class, which could call the qubit, could call block, or could call star in Redux. Inside the object, there's a string. So everything just what's this. So the people who want to get to the state just using the stream implicitly under the hood. Should I pause a little bit? Um, does that make sense, Alan? Yeah, so yeah, definitely does. Cool. I think the next group of things are using subscriptions. There are a few examples here, which is Riverpod, MobX, and also some part of the GetX library. The idea is very different. They are not using streams at all. They are basically rolling out their own uh, subscription model, meaning that they have a bunch of nodes. These nodes can subscribe to other nodes, so they basically form a graph somehow. For example, we can have a node 1, which generates integer. We have a node 2, which generates another integer. We have a node 3, which calculates the sum of those two nodes. We got a third integer, then we can have a fourth node which generates a widget using the output of the third node. So we implicitly form a graph here. So the way it works internally is basically each node trying to manage their subscriptions. For example, this node three will have a internally will say, hey, I'm subscribing to node one, node two, and node one maybe have a out pointer uh, edge to node three, and node, node two also have a point uh, edge to node three. So if the state of node one and node two, two changes, we know that node three need to rebuild. So this is very nice because it's the concept is simple. You can have derived state just using this graph. The nice thing is you can even have a state which just populating widget. If you have such nodes, you can just hook those nodes into the Flutter's widget tree. So if this this uh, state node generates a widget, let's try to ask Flutter to rebuild its widget. Um, so this is basically how how those libraries works. If you, they, they basically, the, the logic is similar, but they have a little bit different syntax. They expose some different features. We're not going to talk about those things in this talk. But uh, what I want to say is, creator is basically the same, same idea. 
what we are trying to, what I'm trying to do is building this graph. The difference between creator and those libraries is they are managing this graph in an implicit way, meaning each node just have its, uh, just know its edges. So the node, the graph is in, is built because all those nodes have edges. Creator is a little bit different because I just manage the node explicitly, uh, manage the graph explicitly. So if you want to build a creator library, what it should you do? Basically, you should have a class which represents the map, and then you should have a class which represents the node. So the map class basically manage all the nodes and all the all their edges. So eventually. I have a graph explicitly somewhere. So uh, it's basically a JSON list if you know graph theory. Uh, and uh, if you have this concept, it should be pretty easy. You have a graph, you have a nodes, you have relationships. When the state changes, you just follow those edges and trying to ask a node to rebuild its state. That's pretty much the hello idea. I will pause here because I actually have a document here which kind of shows how to uh, build the creator library with, with 100 lines of code. The idea just followed uh, earlier, the idea we said earlier, um, define a graph, define the nodes, then define some APIs to the graph. You should probably have the library already. So, yeah. These are published already, right? Uh, this dot this is published and the other one is still pending edit and currently published. So, yeah. Yeah. I think these are, are fantastic. Uh, uh, articles to help people to understand how state management actually works. Thanks for writing these. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, I don't think we, we should go through this, how to build a creator here, because that's a bunch of code. But I think the highlight idea is quite simple. Just define a class of graph, class of nodes, and define a graph somehow, and trying to define APIs for read set or add edges to those graphs. Okay, yeah, this is pretty cool. Uh, but I would like to dig more into Creator, though, because people mm -hmm. are, are going to be listening about Creator. Um, mm -hmm. How did you get your inspiration about the way that you think you, it should work? Can I say the question again? Uh, my question is, if you look at the different state management, right, there's a reason that people mm -hmm. write them in a specific way. Sometimes, like MobX obviously mm -hmm. comes from MobX. Uh, Flutter Block, I mean, they have their own uh, ideas. I forgot where, where it kind of all came from. But like, how did you get mm -hmm. the API to work with Creator? Like, how did you get the ideas to work with Creator? Like the way that you want to work okay, with just it? Okay, just to, to be honest, it's heavily inspired by RiverPod. So if you look at the API, it's kind of similar to RiverPod. That's where I got the inspiration. So because RiverPod works, I know it's going to work. <laughs> and, but uh, mm -hmm. on the other hand, I do have a little bit I do put some thoughts into its design, so I can talk about those things if you want. Yeah, please. Basically, basically, I'm trying to keep things simple. So I try, I try not to introduce new concept to this library. So I'm trying to stay with the concept I already introduced. When there's a graph, there's a node. I try to stay with that. So what does that mean? For example, uh, for example, we can have derived state. So if you are thinking about the 
node is generating a stream of data, it's naturally you can think that, hey, how about we map those data so we get a new node? So that's basically how the iterator and the stream works, right? You can have an iterator called dot map, you get a new new iterator. Here we have a node which generates a stream of data. I can call a map function just to get a new a bunch of new uh, a new node which generates new state means a different thing. Similarly, iterator and stream have the where function. You can do filtering, right? How about let's also add that to creator. So you can have a node. You can do a dot where, which basically gives you a new node which has a filtered result of the original node. So in that way, it's nicely uh, you can you can use those functions very easily, but still the concept is still simple from the my implementation's point of view, those are things are all nodes. They just happen to have a relationship. So the mapped node just uh, depends on the original node. Another example of this is um, when you want to listen to things. If you use block or maybe river pod before, you know they provide a listen function, which is usually just a void function, which have a parameter of previous state and the current state. So you, you just use those two variables to do things, to, to have some set effects, right? And the way I think about things, hmm, why don't we just define a node which captures this previous state and the current state into its state? So basically, it, I can call a creator.change, which gives me a new node, new creator, its state is a change object, which has a previous state and the current state. As, so if you see that way, it's still a normal node from the library's perspective. It just have more data. You can use this data to do whatever you want. You can do static effects with the previous data on that state, but you can also map those things into a, some other states. So it's not necessarily just doing static effects, but still you can do more things than that. But uh, it's nicely still a node. It's nothing special. Okay, I see. Yeah. This is this is what I mean. Uh, change. This is this is a still a pretty normal node, which I can't do anything about this change object. Okay, another nice thing about creator, uh, which I put a lot of thought into, is how to handle asynchronous things better. So basically, this emitter class which is very similar to streaming in my mind. If you have a stream, it's basically asynchronously, it's emitting a bunch of data. Emitter is doing the same thing. The nice thing about emitter is you don't need to have an initial state. If you're using Flutter block, everything should have an initial state, which sometimes is not, uh, not doable, not, not, not good to do. So emitter, your you initial state is just a loading state. When you emit something, it creates some data. If you think about it, it's basically a stream. It's what's very similar to stream. You have a loading state and a bunch of data comes. They, they generate the data and trying to tell their listeners, hey, I have data already. The nice thing about it is it's better than stream is um, it can combine streams easily. You have emitter one, you have emitter two, you can have emitter three, which basically using the latest data of those first two emitters and create a new data. If 
people is familiar with uh, RF Dart, Reactive Dart. It's basically the same idea, implemented in a different way. I think. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely pretty cool stuff. I could definitely see all of the uh, the influence the influences of RiverPod. So I think if people have some mm-hmm. issues with RiverPod, definitely take a look at Creator. Very similar. Now, have you have you heard of any other products that are using Creator now, or or no? Not really. Uh, so I think if someone is using Creator, please let me know. <laughs> now, uh, working on Truly, have you actually worked in? Have you actually had any other libraries that you created because of Truly? Not exactly. I think on the trunk side, it's not that complex, but it does have a lot of lot of uh, graph related stuff. So I'm using because it's a finance app. You have to show people their growth trajectory or maybe the category of the things. So there's a lot of, a lot of graph libraries I built on my own. Um, but that's not sure, not really in a shareable state or not. Probably not useful for other people. Yeah, I know there's quite a few graphing libraries in in Flutter, but I don't think I've found like one graphing library that really stands out, like sticks out in comparison to others. Actually, I think there's the one I I used earlier. I forgot the name. Let me search. Oh, this one. I felt chart is the one I used before. I think it's pretty nice. It's decent. Has a lot of functionalities. Have you heard this? No, I don't think I've seen this one before. This is pretty cool. FL chart. Yeah, FL chart is pretty cool. I think it's very useful. Uh, I use it for some cases, but uh, for other cases, because I need a bunch of customized animation. So I'm basically doing the painting myself. Uh, but I also check the source code of this library and get a lot of inspirations. Okay. Is there any other libraries that you think are really good that people should take a look at? Not right now. I can't think of any other libraries. Uh, let me see. So if you're using Firebase, you're probably already using Flutterfire, right? Yeah, Flutterfire. I think that's the only one right now. Mm-hmm. Have you tried to export? Mm-hmm. Oh, this one is nice. Flutter Native Splash. I don't think I've seen that one before. It's basically trying to build the Splash screen in a little bit more native way. So your app appears a little bit faster. Was there a difference? I didn't see a difference between the two. Slightly different. Oh, I the think. one on the left, I think, right? Yeah. I think this one is also cool. Uh, another is the launch icon. I like it. Flutter launch icon. Oh, yeah. That's the one to make your, your icon for your home screen, right? Yeah. Oh, it's already in Flutter community. Okay, I think this one. Yeah, personally, I don't use a lot of UI libraries. Most libraries, if the... Since on the UI side, I tend to build it on myself. Mm-hmm. And those these libraries are good. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise, with that, I mean, I think your your library is pretty cool. Like, I I, I can see there's some pretty cool stuff about it. Um, have you mm-hmm. shown it to uh, Remy to see what he feels like? See if he likes it. Yeah, I talked to Remy. Uh, I think he likes the idea of using emitter. Especially the part I'm using future.value, uh, which can, because future.value can be resolved immediately. Uh, that's a very nice thing. So you don't need to have those loading state. So I'm, I'm not sure if he wants to adopt a similar idea or not, but I think he likes it. Yeah. 
Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, Remy really is uh, quite good at his work. So happy that we have him in the yeah. community. Cool. Is there anything else you wanted to, to say before we sign off? Because I think we're approaching the end of our time already. Not really. I think if you, if people want to learn about Creator, I think just come here to read this article, which is uh, how to build a creator that elaborate yourself. There's no magic. Everything is very simple. And then start reading the source code. I think the source code is the best thing to learn about library. You will understand how people do things, understand how what's the, how is the quality of a library, and also uh, have more confidence about a library's compatibility. Uh, uh, so yeah, just come to this part. I think this is a, definitely a very important part in this readme. Uh, yeah, that's it. Great. Well, thank you so much, Terry, uh, for coming on and showing us uh, Creator. And I'm happy that you are taking the time to kind of break down how uh, state management kind of works and how these libraries kind of work. And it could help people to maybe write their own or even contribute to the existing ones. So that's that's fantastic. Thank you, Alan, for inviting me. It's nice to be here. Uh, great to have you here. Cool. Thanks.